We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Which late round wide receivers will make or break championship teams? We're talking all that and more on RotoViz Radio. What's up, RotoViz? Welcome into the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners here at RotoViz. Curtis is back recording with me on this Wednesday evening. His internet has come back to life. He is back in his office. I expect nothing less than fire from Curtis tonight. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, man. I, I will not let you down. Uh, it's nice to not be at the kitchen table anymore. Uh, so, uh, and this is this is an awesome topic too, man. Uh, we're ta- we're talking, you know, late round, you know, maybe something shy of flag plant players, but late round wide receivers that could win the big best ball tournaments. I mean, this is such an awesome topic, and um, not I mean, nothing gets me pumped than thinking about players more than playing uh, thinking about player ceilings. So, um, you know, Sean Siegel inspired us with his article uh you know here in the last week it's still up on the front page of the site at rotoviz.com called late rounds are a black hole at wide receiver but these five deep options could be tournament winners and you know sean's always going to get a 30 word title in there it's an awesome awesome article though um and dave and i want to highlight a couple of the guys that sean highlighted there and then we also want to throw our own guys into the mix uh, because we have been busy drafting best ball teams ourselves. I'm 199 drafts deep, man. I got to get some of these players off my chest. I hear you. Um, it's fun going back now that we have so many drafts to look back on, looking at those exposures and really seeing the guys that we are higher on than consensus. The one other note I'll make, man, Sean can craft a title. But he and Blair both have a propensity for these very long, fantastic titles. <laughs> yeah. But as somebody that has to make sure that things on the site look okay, it gets very difficult <laughs> when all of a sudden you have an extra hundred words wrapping around into a section, uh, you know, where you're supposed to have a nice, succinct title. But with that behind us, Curtis. Yeah. When, when you get into the little, like the little square sized articles, I can't find a single article on the front page of the site. That's less than three <laughs> with a title. That's less than three lines long. <laughs> it's, yeah. aw- it's awesome. But hey, that's, that's road of his culture, baby. We love it. It absolutely is. 
All right, so we're going to run through an exercise here. Curtis, I will let you quickly break down kind of the ground rules of what we're trying to do here. Yep, and so this was kind of inspired uh, duly, um, in, in part by Sean's article, uh, which Dave and I both enjoyed, and then uh, also in part from a great question uh, that I got on Twitter from Mr. Good Cat. And his question was, if Robust RB wins Best Ball Mania this year, which wide receivers do you think are on the roster? Which, I mean, that kind of dovetails in perfectly with the you know topic that, that Sean's hitting here. Um, although, you know, I would say that Sean's not necessarily making an argument that you would only draft these receivers on a robust RB team because we're not drafting tons of robust RB teams anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the case here was more that, you know, the wide receiver tier break after kind of like that round 10-ish range is just uh, like to say that it's a cliff is just such an understatement. Um, and so you're, you're just trying to find additional guys that make sense. You know, you're trying to draft seven, eight, nine wide receivers. How do you get those extra guys, you know, after those first five, six uh, in, in, the, in the first 10 rounds? So I think that's really a little bit more the context of Sean's article. And then even he got into some of the, the nuance of specific week 17 matchups for those teams that get all the way you know, through to the final week. Um, and, and, you know, Dave and I are going to zoom out just a little bit and kind of just say, you know, here's some late round guys that we also like that we're highly exposed to um, that we'd like to make a case for. But let's just start by let's highlight one or two players from Sean's article, Dave. Maybe I'll sure. pick one yep. and, and you pick one. And then, you know, that should point people, you know, to rotoviz.com to check out uh, to check out his work there. Um, I'm just going to start at the top because I think the favorite player of mine that that he mentioned um, you know, it hits me right in the dynasty feels because it's a rookie and it's Marvin Mims. You know, Marvin Mims is wide receiver 74 right now in best ball drafts. He's going in round 14 and, you know, there's a lot to think about in Denver, right? You know, it's, it's a huge range of outcomes situation because is Russell Wilson done um, or can Sean Payton get him back to, you know, peak form? Um, what will the pecking order be behind Jerry Judy. I mean, Jerry Judy really seemed to kind of put it all together over the last third or so uh, number of games in, in 2022. Cortland Sutton doesn't look like necessarily that he's going to, you know, break out. Is there room to kind of have a 2A and a 2B in that offense? Um, and with Marvin Mims maybe being, you know, really a star pushing Jerry Judy by the end of the season at that, you know, that critical time. I mean, Mims definitely had, you know, a lot of big plays. Uh, heavy air yards target type guy in college. I mean, Sean makes the point that he was a premier vertical threat. And, you know, I, I think there's there's room for that. I mean, Sutton's more the contested catch guy. And, you know, Judy is a little bit more of a route technician. And not that neither one of them can't get it done down the field, but Mims might be that explosive, just take the top off of the offense type player where, you know, hey, you get, you get one of those peak Deshaun Jackson type games with a pair of 50 yard touchdowns, or, you know, you really only need three, four receptions, even in half PPR, if you get that big touchdown um, to get it home. So, you know, I really like this. It's an unclear pecking order really behind Judy, I think in that offense. And if Sean Payton works magic, like he did, you know, back in those vintage new Orleans saints days, the Denver Broncos offense could look a lot different. And, you know, maybe maybe we see the best season from Russell Wilson that we've ever seen before, you know, and I think those are the types of things you're thinking about when you, you know, place a chip on a player uh, like Marvin Mims. A couple um, notes that Sean makes in terms of like how to play this. 
you know, he really zooms in on the Chargers Broncos game in week 17. Um, he says that game has potential for long TDs because it should be a shootout. And um, he also likes him in week 16 because of the matchup with the Patriots. You know, if you have a, a squad where, you know, you've got Mike Gasicki and Mac Jones at backup positions or depth positions on your best ball uh, squad, you know, maybe you get a, a chance to, to run that game back with Mims on the other side. So again, that's not going to be the focus for Dave and I, but it is a layer of context that Sean put into his article that I think is worth mentioning. So my pick was Mims. I mean, Dave, do you, do you like, do you like Mims? I mean, you care to share your exposure there? Then which, which player that Sean mentioned um, of the four or five in his article is your favorite? Sure. I think on a team like Denver, uh, Mims is one of those types of guys that you want to go after where he's got a player, maybe arguably two ahead of him that still have some name recognition, but have yet to live up to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with a change in regime there, the change for that team to take a step forward, perhaps he becomes a part of it. It's very easy to envision scenarios on comparison to some of these players available in the same spot where Mims factors in and becomes a big difference maker. I also like how Sean's looking forward there to the end of the season, really taking things full circle in this approach to trying to craft your best ball rosters. The other name, so go ahead. I will add one thing just with my own exposure there Uh, through 30 completed BBM drafts. I mean, I've got another 20 in, in process here. Um, Mims, I've got 12% exposure, which ties him with Quentin Johnston um, amongst rookies for my fifth most exposed um, wide receiver. So I'm, I'm definitely not shying away. I'm a little overweight uh, drafting him, um, you know, basically 50%, you know, 50% more often uh, than ADP uh, would suggest that, you know, 12% versus 8% expected. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that I'm heavily targeting Mims, but um he often is appealing at that that phase of the drafts that Sean mentions. For, for me. sh- yeah, for sure. The the name of a player that he mentioned that I do find myself trying to go after a lot is uh, Khalil Shakir of the Buffalo Bills. Now, one of the reasons for this is if you have a Josh Allen team, he's a nice way to sneak in to a Josh Allen stack, especially when you consider the fact that Gabe Davis, uh, a more interesting option, according to some, is going significantly earlier, but there is some potential that you see Shakir play an equal, perhaps even more important role in Buffalo's offense this year. Uh, Sean mentions that if you went back and you looked at his prospect profile, granted it was not great, but it was good. Though he slipped to the fifth round, at least he landed with Buffalo. Uh, in his last two years, he was going over 100 scrimmage yards per game, had elite dominator rating, uh, has been good in yards per route. Uh, as a result of that, we start to see some positive signs for him too when he entered the league, especially towards the back half of the year. Uh, for Buffalo, and he actually was able to command, as Sean notes, targets at a similar rate to both Gabe Davis and Isaiah McKenzie. Unlike McKenzie, though, he played out of the slot without ending up as an exclusively underneath threat and actually had an A dot of 11.4. We don't know exactly how things are going to play out at tight end. Um, as a result of that, I don't think that you see the tight end spot absorbing too heavy of a share of targets what this drives at is it leaves room for a player like Shakir to kind of assert himself potentially as the number two option this year. 
uh, and you like the fact that you're getting him very late, getting a piece of that Bills offense, and it's easy to stack him with Josh Allen. I think you're muted, sir. It's the old, you know, draft players in the elite offense um, with the elite quarterback. I mean, it's not really hard to make a case for players like, you know, Shakir, the wide receiver three, wide receiver four, you know, in an elite offense. I think um, you highlighted some of the good points that that Sean made. There are three other players mentioned in this article. So if you like this type of analysis, be sure to go to rotoviz.com. Check out Sean's article on uh, five deep wide receivers who could, um, you know, help build a tournament winner. Dave and I are going to kind of shift the conversation just a little bit. We're going to focus a little bit more on this question of which late wide, uh, late round wide receivers might be on a robust RB team that wins best ball mania. And Dave, I'm going to layer in some criteria here because, you know, we, we could start all the way at, you know, round five, round six with this question, if we wanted to, you know, because if you're going robust RB, you're probably grabbing, you know, three guys, you know, in the top four or five rounds um, at minimum. We're, we're going to focus more on the late round guys because I think it gets a little bit more difficult to make clear cases for why you should have a, do- a dominant exposure in the single digit rounds, um, you know, of, of these tournament drafts. And it gets a little bit easier to pick your spots with heavy exposures later um, in drafts. So we're, we're drawing the line at round 12. So we got to pick some players, Dave, after round 12 that we're both highly exposed to and we think have that upside to be difference makers, not just in the final week of the season, but you know, potentially you know, becoming real difference makers with high win rates for the balance of the season. Um, I, I'll go first because I'm, I'm pumped about it, man. I'm pumped yeah. about it. And we're focusing on underdog ADPs for this episode because a question does relate to best ball mania. So before I, I name my first player, I'll remind our listeners, Dave, Go to underdogfantasy.com, make your first deposit using promo code Rotoviz, and we will match that first deposit up to 100 bucks. So if you haven't played Best Ball Mania or the Puppy or any other canine-themed uh, named tournaments that they offer on underdogfantasy.com, I mean, put 100 bucks in, we give you 100 bucks. That's a no-brainer. Underdogfantasy.com, promo code Rotoviz, And it also works the other way. So if you go to rotoviz.com and you haven't subscribed to us before, you want to check us out, with a one-month pres- uh, subscription, we will give you 50% off if you use promo code UNDERDOG. Uh, so you can rewind that and play it back, figure out how to get those coupons. Um, but now, Dave, let's get a little quick transition. I need to hear a drop, and I'm going to drop a name. <laughs> that, uh, okay. So I'll tell that, you what happened that is there. Not as because I was hoping for but Well, it is here's, what it here's is. what happened. Here's what happened. <laughs> We had been sharing notes of who we were going to talk about. I had the applause sound effect ready to go because I liked one of these guys. So I was in my sound effect bank versus my uh, like music bank bank, if you will. So I hit I hit the rim shot, as they call it in the sound effect pack. uh, And here we are. It's all good, man. It's all good. Um no worries. So I've got, I've picked out three players. I think you've picked out three or four players as well. This first guy is as close to that line that, that I've drawn as you can possibly get. And it's a player I've got 19% exposure to so far. Um, and it's Van Jefferson with the Los Angeles Rams. He's ADP is 145.8 over the past week. There we go. I must've, that must've been the guy. That, was that the must've guy, been yeah. the guy. Um, you know, so Van Jefferson, a little bit of a forgotten 
you know, player for fantasy purposes. But if we go back to 2021, Dave, you know, played the full 17 game season with Matthew Stafford, 168.2 PPR in that season. Good enough for wide receiver 36 in raw scoring. Um, he did have one top 12 week and four top 24 weeks uh, in that season. And that was really operating for the, you know, for big portions of the season um, as the wide receiver three in the offense and arguably the, the option number four in the offense, because that's a season where, you know, we had some OBJ, we had a lot of Tyler Higby, you know, kind of his first big year that he had. And then the running backs, of course, were, you know, in, in involved in the uh, attack too. But I think it just goes to show you, you know, with, with healthy Matthew Stafford, which presumably we're going to get this year by all, by all accounts, all reports are, you know, that, that he's throwing, he's looking good. Uh, Coach McVay feels good. Uh, Stafford himself says he feels good. You know, and Jefferson is healthy. You know, his, his upside is, I mean, his upside is beyond that. You know, he is the clear number two in the offense now behind Cooper Cup. You know, even if Higby slots in as the number two, potentially in targets, uh, the path would be there for Jefferson to be the, um, you know, the runaway number three option in the offense. And, you know, he's really solid in that season. I mean, he was 33rd amongst all wide receivers in yak per reception, 18th in air yards per target. You know, I, I just like the I like the upside here. I mean, the the Rams are playing in a division where they're going to be able to win some games. If you know the Cardinals are kind of in transition, and uh, they're going to have to score to keep up, I think with uh, Seattle and San Francisco, and you know they've shown us they're capable of doing that. You know, I, everything went as wrong as it possibly could have for the Rams in 2022. And they're just such a team that no one's really pumped about other than um, cup going up, you know, obviously in the top five of, of these drafts. So, you know, I, I like this option. It's not just a, it's not just a, you know, an upside option. Like I actually think Van Jefferson has got a really nice floor too. So he, that's why he's so attractive to me. I mean, I, I think it would be a surprise to me if he wasn't a top 40 ish wide receiver, um, and he's going, I mean, he's just going, you know, so much later than that. Uh, I'm pulling him up right now um, in our best ball ADP uh, tools just to um, put it for the, the most recent week. I mean, he's going at wide receiver 65, Dave. And we saw that, you know, as a third or fourth option with a full season, you know, he recently, just two years ago, finished his wide receiver 36. So, I mean, there's a lot of room in there to accrue some value. Um you know, like, like Van Jefferson, 2021 was a great year for me. Uh, in best ball mania, I actually finished 25th overall, uh, in that season in, in best ball mania two, it would have been. Um, and I was live in the top 12, um, at, at some points within the final week, uh, you know, kind of doing the math and, you know, Van Jefferson was one of my highest exposures that year. So I'm kind of running this one back. You, you hit the applause. Is there any point that I didn't make that you would want to make for Jefferson before you get to go? Uh, I think that you more or less made all of the points. The final thing that I'll say is, and we talked about this last night, so obviously there's some issues with projections, but in my baseline projection, he comes in about 15 spots higher than where he's being drafted, mm. and that factors in no upside. So to the point about the upside, this is a player that I think has a lot of room to accrue upside on ADP. And the other thing is, this is an offense that has a potential to turn things around. You get one or yeah. two big games from Jefferson towards the end of the year. It could be very valuable for your best ball squads. 
All right, so I get Dave's stamp of approval on my first pick. Let's see if he can get my stamp of approval on his his first pick. Who do you want to roll with, Dave? All right, so we don't – caveat here, I don't think this actually fits into the criteria, but I feel conviction in getting this out there because I think it's okay. important. Uh, okay. Alan Lazard is going to be oh, – yeah. right. <laughs> Okay, you already got my stamp, man. I mean, we were the two biggest Lazard guys you we know, last year, so I, I love that you're running this back. We haven't talked about him at all yet. No, we year. haven't. He's going to be a wide receiver too this year, and he's not being oh. drafted like one. Uh, and I say that with a decent amount of confidence in the potential not only for that to happen, but feeling pretty good that in the large – in a fairly mm. large range of outcomes, it actually does come to fruition – as a result of that, I really like Lizard this year. I don't, as I said, I don't know if he really fits into the criteria, but I think that it's worth mentioning because I want our listeners to make sure that they're at least getting a reasonable amount of exposure to him in the best ball tournaments in which they are participating. Currently on underdog, he's going as wide receiver 54. That does not really make any sense to me, Curtis. Yeah, I mean, I think he's the, you know, that would have made sense when Elijah Moore was still there. Right. Um, you know, and that may have even been Lazard's ceiling. He's basically going to be a touchdown bet, um, at that point. But now, I mean, he's going to be running as the clear number two. I mean, you know, and, and there's a better, like in some ways that may be better for him than the situation he had in green Bay last year, where, I mean, yep. he was definitely battling injuries, but you know, he really kind of needed to be the one, um, in green Bay with, with the talent that was there. And I mean, now, I mean, opposing defenses are going to have their hands full with Garrett Wilson and, you know, the run game is, is, you know, should be strong uh, in New York. And, you know, so I, I mean, maybe Lazard is perhaps better positioned to have the type of season we were projecting last year, you know, this year, I just wearing a different shade of green. So I, I like this one. Uh, you're cheating a little bit because he, you know, he is going right at kind of that nine ten turn. Yep. Uh, right now, but I, I like it. I like the conviction play, and you can't, you backed it up with a bold, you know, a bold statement about where he's going to finish in fantasy. Let me transition to my second player. We're getting deeper into the ADP here. Um, we're now getting into round sixteen, and I'm going up to New England. I'm going into your backyard, yeah. here, Dave, with with Tyquan Thornton. Um, ADP one sixty point nine. Um, you know, not really much to write home about um, that happened, you know, last season uh, in his rookie year. He did have a 21.3 point explosion against Cleveland in the second game uh, that he dressed in week six. And he had a 15 point game against Miami in week 17. So, you know, despite not really being a focal point of the offense, uh, he did actually post two top 24 weeks and one top 12 week uh, in fantasy last year. He was eighth amongst all wide receivers in air yards per target at 14.2. I'm not sure that I would have appreciated that if it wasn't for uh, the awesomeness of our NFL stat explorer. I, I mean, you know, I, I knew that, you know, Thornton was a, a deep threat, you know, in college, and that was really his calling card. But I guess it showed up infrequently enough in his rookie season in terms of actually converting those plays that I, I just, I mean, if you, you'd asked me to name a top 10, I mean, I might not have named him in the top 30. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of nice to see that. And the context here with with Thornton, you know, there's a couple of reasons that that I'm going in on this play here. You know, Bill, o, Bill O'Brien definitely has had some success with 
you know, stretching the field with wide receivers. I mean, look no further than what he was able to do with Will Fuller in Houston, uh, a, a player that was not necessarily a complete wide receiver at all. Um, Fuller might've been something slightly greater than a one trick pony, um, you know, but also nobody was going to confuse him with the route running abilities of, you know, Justin Jefferson or Amari Cooper or somebody like that, that, you know, is really known as a route technician. And I mean, Fuller, just best ball legend, um, you know, uh, fantasy draft equity legend uh, in, in multiple seasons. I mean, I've got 29% exposure to Thornton. I can't stop drafting him wow. in this range. I mean, you know, the, the Patriots are, could they have been designed worse offensively last year? No. You know, they didn't really have a clear plan, um, not just from a player perspective, but even from a coordinator perspective, like they didn't even have an actual offensive coordinator or anyone really that was specializing in that side of, of, of play. Now they bring in one of the better offensive minds of the past 10, 15 years consistently. He's proven it at the NFL level and at the college level. Um, you know, Mac Jones, familiarity with this system, um, chance for him to step forward. Thornton's not the only investment they made in the offense. There's other reasons to think this offense could take a step forward, which would only help a player like Thornton. Um, you know, they, they brought in Juju. He's been banged up this spring, um, but there's no reason to think that, that Juju couldn't be you know, at least what Jacoby Myers was and, you know, perhaps more. Uh, we've seen more from him at times in his career. And they bring in Mike Kosicki. Uh, all the reports are that they're running more 12 personnel. I mean, if you get a situation where it's like Thornton and 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 Juju along with those two tight ends, I mean, it's going to be a pretty fun offense. If we were putting tight ends into this episode, I would also be mentioning Gasicki. I like all these late plays in the Patriots offense, but Man, just look, I mean, it's only a couple of years ago. I mean, looking back at the college um, statistical profile for Thornton, I mean, 15.7 average in yards per reception. I mean, he, he burst on the scene, you know, right away as a freshman. He had 20 receptions for 354 yards and three touchdowns. Um, played in 10 games as a, a, you know, a true freshman at Baylor in that offense. And then in, in year two, I mean, he's already off to the races with 782 yards and five touchdowns. 10 touchdowns in his final season. So, you know, we've, get, you know, we gave all, a lot of the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, an excuse um, in that Urban Meyer year, Dave. I know you, you know, you've really driven that point home, you know, many times yeah. over the past uh, couple of years that we've been podcasting. And I think it's fair to suggest that, you know, some of these Patriots, young Patriots should get a, a pass for the way that team was designed in 2022. So, you know, I like this play. This team desperately needs a big play artist and he's the best you know, position person to do it. And I'm putting my money where my mouth is on this one, David, to the tune of 29% so far. Yeah, it's an impressive share. I will say that I don't have anywhere near that, but that does not mean that I'm opposed to it. I do think that uh, a lot of the logic that you laid out holds. The one difference perhaps between what you saw with the Urban Meyer team and this team is that Urban Meyer was completely removed from the situation. I do expect we see a much different way of operating in New England uh, this coming season, but uh, that might not even be enough as a, you know, as a Patriots fan, I might be a little pessimistic <laughs> after suffering through some of those games last year, and just seeing uh, what a cluster on, it was, but that's fine. Uh, We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The player that I'm going to bring up, I think, is probably a little bit harder to make a case for. Nonetheless, I find myself inclined to go after this player, and that is Rashid Shahid of the New Orleans Saints. Uh, There's a couple of things that play into this, but one is when you go back and you look at what he was able to achieve in his rookie season, Curtis, actually tells a pretty nice story. Did not see action until... Week six pretty quickly gets involved uh, immediately as a couple of 10 plus points game games down the stretch has two wide receiver, two performances between weeks 15 and 18, and also gets pretty heavily involved in the offense uh, in his last four games. I'll read down the target shares, 22%, 36%, 27%, 16%. Now, obviously you will have Chris Olave there operating as the team's main target. No question about that. Behind him, though, Michael Thomas, it looks like, should be back, but we have not seen Michael Thomas be able to sustain stretches on the field over the last couple of years. There's questions about what you can expect from him in terms of games played, also what the ability might look like at this point. As far as their running backs go, you still have Kamara there, might not be controlling as high of a share of the target pie there as he has in years past. And, you know, it's not like they have a tight end that's taking up a 20, 22% target share. So this opens up some room for Shahid, who also, Curtis, last year, and granted this might not hold, but was number five in fantasy points over expectation per game yeah. managed to play in a way that was very efficient. So this is a player stepping into his second year where you you have positive signs coming off of that year one. I think that you could see New Orleans be able to operate better this year than they did last, and he could fill a void that this team needs. So I would say that, uh, you know, I don't have the level of conviction like I would for somebody like Lazard or you might have with uh, Thornton, but uh, he's a player that I find myself looking to a lot in drafts because of that type of profile that I just described. No, I, I mean, I don't mind this at all. Uh, I think that's, you know, we talked about, you know, kind of when we were talking about some of the players Sean highlighted in Marvin Mims, um, you know, kind of these unsettled wide receiver rooms. I mean, behind Olave, it is wide open and, you know, they, there's change at quarterback there, you know, with Carr coming into town. Yep. Um, I think everything's up for grabs. And, you know, Shahid did have a really impressive stretch over the back half of the season. I mean, Dave, from week 11 on, he averaged 2.4 yards per route to run. 
I mean, he, he was eighth out of 105 qualifying wow. receivers yeah. um, over the final, um, you know, eight weeks of the season. I mean, so, you know, it's not a, a full season and the quarterback changes and Michael Thomas being there. Like there's a lot of stuff that's changing, um, you know, the offensive context there. But yeah, I don't mind this play at all. I mean, ADP at 176, uh, year two leap. Some of the warning signs on him might be the lack of draft capital um, to, to where the GM doesn't force a relationship um, you know, and camp between him and Carr if they're not jiving, clicking right away, uh, because he was an undrafted, you know, free agent, and you know, got Michael Thomas, who the team stayed committed to, continuing to give checks to, um, you know, and and you know, maybe the team will invest in a a veteran uh, for Carr at that number three spot if they think it's um, you know key to win the the NFC South there. But I, I like this one quite a bit. I haven't gotten onto uh, a high exposure with Shahid quite yet. I'm looking up just to see how much I've got. Um, it looks like I've only got one share so far through the 30 completed drafts, but I think just bringing him up in this range is key. I, I'm not necessarily avoiding him. I think I am uh, finding myself taking tight end a lot in the rounds where yep. um, Shahid is going. And so I've got to think about some construction um, opportunities, maybe get a little bit more exposure. I'd like to not be underweight on a player, um, like this. So good pull there, Dave. I've got one more guy I want to mention. And, you know, he's going really late, Dave. He's going at 193. I think he's going to start spiking because there's been a little bit of media frenzy on him yeah. um, this week. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him jump up around. It's a player that both of us really like. Uh, he goes, he harkens back to uh, days of me watching him in Columbus for the Buckeyes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just hard for me to forget about his player, but it's Paris Campbell, man. Paris Campbell moving over from Indianapolis uh, to New York. Again, these unsettled wide receiver rooms. Is it any more wide open at wide receiver in terms of pecking order anywhere in the NFL than it is in New York? No, and uh, that's that's yeah. why you see in ADP like 15 New York uh, New York Giants wide <laughs> yeah. receivers sandwiched yeah. in like 20 ADP yeah. spots. It's yeah, nuts. I think it's, I mean, you, yeah. It's, it's a, uh, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you have Campbell, Hyatt, uh, Slayton, um, Hodgins, Hodgins, and Robinson all going. Yeah. I, I honestly think within like 25 spots of each other, it's nuts. Yeah, and I think that you can make a reasonable case for all of them. Um, the reason I want to zoom in on, on Campbell, he is one of the most affordable of the group. And, you know he really took a step forward last year, you know, and in his first three seasons, I mean, he actually only played in 15 games from 2019 to 2021. Just, we, we never really got a chance to see what he was, but he was healthy for all 17 last year. Uh, 151 PPR uh, wide receiver, 48 in raw scoring three wide receiver, one week's Dave and a, and a fourth week where he finished as a, a top 24 uh, wide receiver. Um, I mean, and he was, you know, a low, uh, air yards per target guy. He's operating close to the line of scrimmage and then, you know, trying to get things done um, after the fact, after the catch. And I mean, you know, the Giants could certainly use a player like that as they continue to, to build within, you know, the Brian Dable offense and help Daniel Jones take that next step forward. I mean, last season, you know, if, if he gets the volume role, you know, if, if he gets the volume role with New York, I mean, he's proven he can be really productive with not, not a ton of targets. I mean, in games where he had six or more targets last year, I mean, it's pr a fairly low 
threshold. You're talking about, you know what, Dave, 102 targets if you average that over the course of the season. So, I mean, solid but not spectacular target volume. I mean, he averaged 15.85 PPR in games with six or more targets. I mean, paced for over 1,000 yards, a half a touchdown a game, 6.3 receptions um, in those situations. And, I mean, you know, why not? I mean, this is a player of super impressive athletically, um, you know, dynamic coming out of college. If he, you know, he proved that he can stay healthy last year. Now he gets into a situation with a team that is, I think, better prepared to pass the ball than they were in Indianapolis last season. Uh, certainly a, a more interesting offensive design, offensive scheme with Brian Dayball trying to take this offense forward another step. I really like this play. Paris Campbell, I've got 19% right now. The only reason that's not higher is the reason that you mentioned because I, I am trying to spread that exposure across multiple Giants players. The other one that I have the most exposure to right now is Isaiah Hodgins. Um, again, you know, I, I just like that price point, and you know, he was super hot to end the season last year. But um, you know, what do you think about the what do you think about the Campbell play, Dave? There amongst those available Giants players uh, in late rounds. I'm going to be honest. I have no idea what to make of it. Uh, <laughs> That's fine, man. That's fine. Like I, 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 yeah, I, um, I think everything you laid out makes sense. Um, but I, I personally have been unable yet to land on exactly which player, uh, I am the most inclined to go after in that range. So I think kind of what I've been doing is just sprinkling them all in. Um, when I went through and projected them, I end up, with a slight edge for Hodgins over Robinson and Hyatt and Campbell. Um, but that's such a mess there that, you know, I'm not really vesting anything into that thought. And if anything, doing that exercise just kind of cemented for me how murky I actually feel. Obviously, though, there is some utility in having your guy that you have the conviction on because if you can get in on them now and then eventually as we work our way into the year, it becomes clear who or what that pecking order might look like. Yeah. It's possible that you're getting this player at a discount compared to where who, well, yeah. I mean, if you get it right, you'll definitely will be getting a discount. So um, I like it. I like it. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, I, I feel less good about your endorsement <laughs> uh, uh, strength on the, on this one than others. I, I will also add, I actually have more exposure to Isaiah Hodgins than Paris Campbell. Yep. Um, but can't, I've got 25% Hodgins. I mean, between the two of them, I mean, I've really got a lot. Um, right. And I don't have a ton of Daniel Jones exposure. So you, know, you add those things up, I'm basically leaving every, you know, and one out of every two drafts, I either have Campbell or Hodgins. That's maybe okay. another way to say Yes. This. Yeah, yeah. The um the cool thing there is if you do feel that like this is an offense that you want a part of, or if you're somebody that's been going after Daniel Jones, you do have an opportunity to mix things up. Because I do yeah. think that it's reasonable to assume uh, that once the season actually starts, we will see some separation and one or two of these guys might differentiate themselves. So All right, Dave, give, a, give us one more Dave Cabin endorsement late in drafts. This one is a fun one because I really like and we'll be pulling for the quarterback that he got paired with this oh year. And that is Nico Collins, a player that's going pretty late, going at 186 in ADP. We don't feel super great about the Texans offense this year, but I still believe that there is the potential that CJ Stroud is a very competent and capable passer at the professional level. 
If yeah. he is, I think you could then see a situation where Nico Collins, who I think has a pretty decent profile, becomes an interesting player, has some touchdown potential. Uh, there's definitely a lot of targets up for grabs, could very easily lead that team in targets. Uh, I like Collins. I like Stroud still. Um, and I think that this is a way that you, you know... <laughs> You don't love the fact that he's, when you're looking for an upside player, that he's not on one of these super impressive offenses, arguably on one of the weaker offenses in the league. I don't know if too many people are going to argue with that, actually. Uh, but it also, if you look across Collins and the career that he's had at this point, um, you know, he's played with a pretty poor mixture of passers. Uh, as a result, you it's really hard to read into what he's done at this point in his career. So you give him the boost from the competent passer. And I think that you could see him outplay this 186 ADP. Does he look like somebody that has the chance to really go ahead and win leagues like the players we mentioned before? No, but that is why he's mentioned uh, last in this episode. Yeah. I'm trying to think of um, situations where, uh, like other situations where, you know, this type of play has worked out. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a player with a, you know, better draft pedigree. So he had more name value um, at this point in his career, but it was a similar point of his career uh, that we're going to, we're going to compare it to it's 2018 Corey Davis. Okay? Ah, yes. So, so going back to 2018, you know, this is before, the, the real big uh, Derrick Henry explosions in Tennessee, they were still, you know, they were running um, the ball a lot. You know, they weren't, you know, a particularly dynamic offense, even, even so, you know, Henry had a thousand yards and 12 touchdowns um, in that season. Um, and, you know, Corey Davis finished as the wide receiver 29. He was 20th in expected points, but a highly inefficient season. Um, he was 166th in fantasy points over expectation rank. Did have three top 12 weeks and four top 24 weeks, and then just a whole bunch of consistent, you know, production um, where he wasn't, you know, losing weeks from a fantasy startability perspective. I can see something like that happening for a player, you know, with similar size and skills uh, to Corey Davis with Nico Collins here. You know, younger quarterback than than Davis would have been dealing with at that point um, in Tennessee, but. You know, Houston's a team that's going to want to have a, a bit of a power run element um, to their offense with Damian Pierce. Um, they do play in a dome as in comparison to, to what Tennessee had. So, you know, perhaps that will be helpful. I think Stroud is, you know, more, just more talented um, than Ryan Tannehill um, at really any point in Ryan Tannehill's career, even though he's been effective in fantasy. I don't think, you know, I think Stroud's a better passer now than Tannehill ever has been. So, you know, I don't mind this at all. Uh, in that season, Corey Davis had a 26% team target share, which was good enough for 10th of the position. Um, albeit, you know, the, the, ultimately the target volume, um, wasn't necessarily, he was 19th in targets, but if the Texans aren't winning a lot of games and Collins, you know, runs away as the feature guy. Yeah, sure, man. I, I mean, I don't see why not. I think the touchdowns might struggle a little bit, but he could be a massive value, uh, at this point of drafts. I like the name hate the helmet he wore in college it's interesting. You got the, you know, Ohio state and the Michigan guys, um, you know, marrying up here um, in the NFL. But I, I like this one, Dave. I mean, Collins is, you know, entering year three, 
you know, maybe he's primed for that leap now with the improvement um, at the quarterback position. Well, I love the, uh, the, the case that you just made here to support it, because I think you ended up even being more convicted than I was. So that's always great. But I think that there actually are a couple of takeaways here uh, that are probably worth running through quickly. One of them being that uh, there's generally value in finding these situations where there's not a clear pecking order, but there are guys that uh, could slate easily into the wide receiver two slot. And if they do slate into the wide receiver two slot, it's a nice sizable portion of that offense. That was one of my takeaways. And I forget what my second takeaway was, but the good thing is, <laughs> is that I have a co-host here yeah. with me who can come up with another. Yeah, no, I, I think there's a couple different things that, that we identified here. Um, you know, we weren't looking specifically at, um, you know, end of season matchups here. What we're really look, looking for is players that have paths to roles much bigger than their ADP um, would suggest with maybe the caveat that, uh, you know, m- maybe Rashid Shahid has a little bit of a, a steeper climb. If Michael Thomas were to be healthy, maybe that's like the big caveat that we, um, you know, insert there on that particular play, but even including your Lazard pick, Dave, I mean, I think everyone that we mentioned, you know, you would think has a clear path uh, to, to being, you know, a number two option in their offense with potential to be the number one option in their offense. You, with Collins and Campbell, I think you can make that case that they could be the number ones. Things are just that um, unclear. You know, with Lazard and Van Jefferson, I mean, they're the in-house favorites to be the wide receiver twos on their team, and they're not really priced like it right now. And then with players like uh, Thornton and Shahid, you know, year two players, um, that we haven't seen, you know, the full uh, skill set really come alive quite yet. You know, that's when those players take that leap, man. I mean, the year two wide receiver leap is just so valuable. And we talk about the importance of identifying the rookie running backs that can break out. It's really those year two wide receiver breakouts that are just so dominant and explosive. So having some of those guys, even if you don't like our plays, you know, again, this mm-hmm. is very late in the draft, right? But maybe you, maybe you like those um, year two plays a little bit earlier in the draft. You know, look through, thumb through the ADP, look at your exposures, make sure you have access to some of these players across your portfolio, especially if you're, you know, volume drafting these big tournaments, you know, trying to max enter, you're going to want to have uh, enough iterations of teams with these guys uh, to kind of just get that right combination squad to win. I mean, mil- millions and millions of dollars, Dave, uh, in these tournaments. Just so cool to, to think about how big these tournaments have grown. Um, special uh, tip of the cap to Sean for inspiring us with his article. And again, we appreciate Mr. Good Cat bringing the good question on Twitter. If you think you have a good question that would lead us onto all kinds of um, different players that we could share with you that, that we are drafting, making cases for teams, um, projections and or player plays, whether it's in best ball or dynasty, send your creative question to Dave or I on Twitter, and we might craft an episode around it. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.